let's say you read a book that's about, you know, how to eat for optimal brain health. Okay, well, there's mm-hmm. more to brain health than just how we eat. Or there's more to, or, or there, there's other books about like mindset or meditation for, you know, brain health. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's more to brain health than, you know, that, you know, that, that particular view didn't take into account the nutrition side of things. And, and, you know, to kind of zoom out a little bit more, like you were saying, uh, you know, our feelings are dictated by our physiology. So anything that impacts our physiology impacts our emotional state and our feelings. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. People, what's up? Welcome back to Black Belt Beauty Radio. You guys, I have a killer episode for you today. My guest is a total badass by the name of Ryan Muncy. So Ryan is the author of one of my most favorite books ever read to date called Fuck Your Feelings. I'm sure those of you who follow me on Instagram have seen me post several times on this book in the last several months because it's exactly that. It's one of my favorite books ever read. It has impacted me greatly. I've already given, a, you know, five or six copies away to some of my closest people because it's so valuable in my eyes. In addition to writing this incredible book, he is the host of the Better Human Project podcast, which is one of my top five favorite podcasts. It's all about high performance. Ryan is is a high performer himself, so he does such a great job of bringing on all kinds of high performers in life, like so all different areas of careers. And he he has conversations with him where he's able to tap into their mindset, you know, their story, their process, and extract gems from all those different areas for us so that upon listening, you know, we can be inspired by it and, you know, learn and apply perhaps some of their strategies to our own pursuit of kicking ass in life. So if you don't listen to his podcast already, you need to subscribe to that and catch up on some episodes because they're epic. So aside from that, Ryan is a high-performance consultant and a thought leader in wellness and personal development. He has a very strong voice for very, very great reasons. When I read this book, when I started getting into the book, I felt like I was just high-fiving Ryan the whole time. I mean, I literally out loud was saying, fuck yeah, because any book that I've ever discovered that's trying to take the reader into a place of, you know, high performance in life, I feel like it's either, you know, a focus on brain, how the brain works and, and the mindset, or, you know, then there's like lifestyle books, like movement, nutrition, things that would, you know, promote us to feel great so that when we feel great, we perform great. But Ryan, Ryan's book is the very first of its kind that I've ever found personally, where he takes neuroscience, you know, biology, gets deep into mindset, shares his, you know, go-to tools that support a high-performance life. He just covers all of this stuff. He synthesizes all of these very important elements and creates a book that is so easy to read. It's so enjoyable to read. It might, like, 
truly, you guys, I, I really feel like it's a manual. It's a manual that allows us to really get deeper into our performance, take a deeper look into, you know, where we are in our lifestyle, in our lives, and, you know, find ways to edit, to optimize. And he, it, the book is a great tool for that. So, you know, I commend him greatly for writing this book. I think it is a very great service to the world. And I mean, you know, above that, it's like everything that he's putting out is a great service to the world. His podcast, his Instagram posts, you guys, his writing is to me very profound. I love the truth and the passion that I receive upon reading it. So, you know, again, if there's another place to follow Ryan and, and stay up to date with him, because I feel like Ryan is actually... He is like a high performance tool in of himself. So staying connected to him and what he's putting out will most definitely support your process to turn your best into better, which is what this podcast, which Black Belt Beauty is all about. So I'm pretty sure that all of you listening, you know, have that intention. So I cannot recommend enough to stay connected to Ryan Muncie. If you haven't read his book yet, fucking Amazon that shit right now start listening to his podcast, follow him on Instagram. And yeah, I hope that you really, really enjoy the beautiful conversation I have with him. I'm very passionate in it. So excited. You know, we talk about his background and, you know, what drove him to to write the book, his process in doing so, and just really tap into his mental framework and, you know, extract some gems from that place for you guys. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. It's major for me. So on that note, I'm going to hit play and let you guys drop into this conversation with Ryan Muncy. Ryan, thank you so much for being my guest on Black Belt Beauty Radio. I am so stoked and beyond excited to get down on this talk with you. (laughs) Roxy, I am too. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Okay. So we're going to drop in and I'm going to do something a little bit different. And hopefully I can read this recent post of yours that just resonated in my heart so deeply that I just, I want it to be recorded on this podcast to kind of, to keep it out there forever. <laughs> so, if that's okay with you. Um, and then we're just going to get deep and unpack it all. all right. Go from there. Let's do it. The nowhere between two somewheres the space that most requires us to trust the process. It could last 0.2 seconds or 20 years, depending on the pursuit. Whether it's a new habit, a diet change, a fitness pursuit, or anything else, this is where we screw up most, the transition zone. The old no longer exists, but the new has yet to be born. It's like flying through the air between two trapezes. Anything can happen. It's the point of highest anxiety. It's the moment where most susceptible to old habits. The worst thing we can do when between these trapezes is freak out. To flit and fail in the air or otherwise deviate from the process is to decrease our odds of successfully arriving at the new place, point B, somewhere number two. We must remain calm and trust the process if we are to successfully arrive at the new place, point B. Caveat, with more experience, a pro can course correct on the fly. This is not advisable for amateurs or newbies. Prepare a solid plan. Trust it. Execute with 100% commitment. Get to the new solid ground as quickly as possible. Then repeat for perpetual growth. Fuck those feelings of doubt, fear, and insecurity. Stay the course. 
trust the process, assuming you had a solid plan. (laughs) Well, listen, it wasn't perfect in my reading, but fuck, I love it so much. And damn, okay. So (laughs) let me give this post a little bit of context. And um, it would be a disservice to say that that this is 100% my thoughts at at the bottom of this post, I did say, you know, there's a hat tip to both my wife, Donna, and some of this came from a conversation that she and I were having a few weeks ago as she was reading a book called Mastering Transitions. So we have had, and specifically Donna, my wife has had an incredibly difficult six months, last six months. Um, She lost her father in February after a two and a half or almost three year battle with cancer. And this is the first parent that either of us have lost. So obviously there's a huge transition there. There's, there's dealing with loss. There's dealing with transition in life post father. We moved, she started a new job and she hadn't quite started the new job the way. Uh, so she is a, an internal medicine physician and the way her profession works uh, there's a, a, an extended credentialing period. And so she wound up having like six weeks off when we moved, which in theory sounds amazing, but, but for people like us who are always doing and, you know, going a hundred miles an hour, we don't do nothing well. So this transition of, you know, we just moved, actually we moved back to her hometown. So she lost her father. We've moved back to where she grew up. And, and originally the move was intended to be there so that she could help take care of him. You know, so we've moved, we're in a new home. She's waiting to start a new job. There's a lot of transition going on in her life and and in our life um, as, as a couple as well. So, you know, we were discussing this book and I have to give my wife tons of credit for dealing with my ADD, but also that, that creator that's in there. I'm sure you can relate to this and maybe some of your listeners can as well that, you know, when these ideas come in, I'm like, honey, I love you, but you got to hold it. And, And I've got my phone, I've got a note. I've got notes everywhere. And and I think I even talked about this in the book, but I just, I have to get this thought out of my head because I was like, you know, this is such a great thing that needs to be shared with the world because we all go through these periods. Um, Maybe they're not as um, powerful or, or, or as traumatic as losing a parent, you know, and that's why I said in the post, this transition period could last for two seconds, literally like the time I was off the ground in that picture. Um, or, you know, 20 years, if we're building a business or going after, I mean, staying with my wife, Donna, for example, I mean, it was 15 years of school and training to become, uh, you know, a doctor. So whatever these things are that, that we set out to do, uh, it's it's in that space that that nowhere between two somewheres that we have to um, we have to avoid that that freak out in our head of you know and, and there was a typo in there as you were reading it I I, I heard it or, or saw it it's it's supposed to say to flit and to flail in the air not flit or fail and that's my my typo my mistake <laughs> but but that's the point is so so the trapeze is such a great visual for this right because. You know, we know if you're swinging on that trapeze, the moment you let go, you are 100% committed to going for that next trapeze. And the worst yeah. thing that you can do in midair is to flit or to flail or to freak out. You're, you're actually decreasing your odds of reaching the next one successfully if you do that. And I think we can see that visually. So it's easier 
to wrap our head around that concept. And that's why, you know, it was funny. I had this post written for probably three weeks and was just trying to figure out what picture I wanted. And, um, we'd been on a trip and, and my photographer and I were trying to get a couple of pictures and nothing we could come up with actually did it justice. And, uh, I was just playing around in the gym one Saturday. I was like, Oh, you know what? I, I think this is it. And, uh, we, we got the shot. So, um, yeah, it's a great, I'm putting it in the show notes for okay. sure. <laughs> but I, I wanted something that visually kind of showed, you know, literally being, being, being in a position where nothing is in contact with the ground. Right. So you can kind of get that, that visual imagery of being in midair and, um, and not feeling like you're on solid ground because as, as we make changes in our life, as we go through transition, that is that mental feeling. And I think if you're, if you're on a trapeze or if you're doing an applied push up or a backflip, you, you understand that, that there's going to be that brief moment and I think we can talk ourselves into it, you know, for those short periods of time. Yes, th- there might be a higher risk or, or it's a little bit scary, but, but we know it'll be over really, really quickly. Um, it's, it's the longer transitions where we screw up the most. And, and this is something that I really explored in, in my book quite a bit and really examined, you know, the people who end up having success in their lives and the people who don't. It's because, and this is why the book is called Fuck Your Feelings, it's because in those moments, we allow our feelings to dictate our decisions. Uh, there's research from a neuroscientist, Antonio Damasio, that says 95% of our decisions are made based on how we feel in any given moment. So if, if we go back to this snapshot of being between the trapezes or that, that nowhere between the two somewheres, we're probably going to freak out. We're going to be scared. We're going to wonder, did we make the right decision? Should I have let go? Am I going to make it to the next one? In our trapeze example, we really don't have time for those thoughts to bite us. But if our pursuit or our transition lasts six months or six years, uh, we have plenty of opportunities for our mind to uh, kind of sabotage us and and lead us away from what our stated goal was. Absolutely. Okay. That's all of that is so beautiful. The first thing I want to say, there's a couple things. I trust that your wife she sounds amazing. Um, I trust that she's doing better and and stronger now. I like trust over hope. Yes. Personally. Yes. Well, thank, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Um, she is. She she has started the the new job and and we're settled in the new house and. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I, you know, I don't know what you can say about losing a, a parent to cancer. I, I know that's, I've, I've seen it firsthand, so I know it's awful. And, and if other people are out there dealing with it, um, I, I know how hard it is. So, um, but no, she's, uh, we're mastering the transition. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. There's this track by Pharrell Williams, and it's called, Can I Have It Like That? I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's, I trained to it. It's really dope. And there is, I know you're going to appreciate these words. They like penetrated my heart when I heard him. And the words are, the transition is the track. And I often say through, you know, my social media, the journey is the reward. That transition, I feel like that's where we get to learn so much about who we are. Learn slash create, you know, so like discover and create and I mean, that's where I feel like that's where it's at. Because once we get to that trap, once we get to the other side, I mean, that's amazing in of itself, but it almost feels like the bonus because everything else, the process is everything. 
right? Who we are in the process. Yep. So uh, that's, yeah, yeah, I love that. that that's, I'm going to check out that song, um, on the way home. Today, yeah. So, uh, it's so good. yeah. The transition is a track. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, so, so like, I mean, if we could just go back to our example of a backflip or, or the trapeze, I mean, if, if you've never done that and then you, you work at it and you accomplish it. Okay. So now you've done this thing, but look at all the things you learned about movement or body awareness or, you know, courage, you know, when you try to do that, or if our example is something that is starting a business or trying to get a degree or, you know, whatever you learn a lot about, you know, your craft or that process. And like you said, yourself through it and, and it is through those transitions and those pursuits that we ultimately grow as humans and become you know, these these higher level versions of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And you know, in your book, and I'm not going to I'm going to let your book I'm going to I'm going to point out a few things, but I'm definitely, you know, going to let the readers get down on the book themselves. But there's a few things in there. Well, actually, let me say this first. I have to admit this. This is so funny. When I first saw your book, it was, it was posted somewhere on social media. And of course the name is super catchy and even the cover, you know, just visually it was like, Oh, okay, what is this? You know? And so I went and I looked at the description and, you know, I do, I can say this very confidently. I'm a very whole human being, very conscious and very present growth mindset, path creator, autonomous, like through and through. Right. So I'm reading biology geek athlete by way of life. So I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, there's probably a lot of shit in there that like I already kind of live from and know, right? But then I, you know, my dad actually had said something to us when we were kids and he's, and he's very, very smart, very prolific. My father's like a modern day philosopher. He's crazy smart. But he, he had said to us, like, even if you know something and someone's going to share what you know with you, listen to them. You might know it better. You might know it differently. Just let them speak basically. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm getting this fucking book, (laughs) (laughs) which was so cool. It was one of the best decisions I've made in a long time because you've created a very important book that needs to be out in this world. And, you know, there are so many touch points in it where you affirmed, I was like, holy shit, he's referencing it. That's why I feel like a thought partner with you because I'm like, damn, okay, this is rad. Um, And then there were, of course, so many things that I learned from it that were, you know, just so, that added so much value to my process. So I am so grateful. One of the things that I want to point out because you were just there was about growing. And, you know, I have said this for a long time. I feel like if we're not growing in our life, we're just essentially dying slowly. It's kind of always how I've, you know, phrased it. And then in your book, you there is a part from Seal Fit where you say grow or die, which I think is so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that lesson from Seal Fit was the, the seals who led that had a saying and it was always sharpen the knife. And the way that they kind of communicated it or the, the examples that they used were um, if you look at nature, that, that is the path that nature takes. If you look at a flower, a flower grows and then you get a bud and then the bloom. And then once the bloom hits peak, it then starts to wither and fall off and, and die. And, and that is the life cycle of a flower. If you look at an alpha male lion or the alpha male in any species, you have this upward trajectory of their life cycle they stay kind of at that plateau at the top as long as they can. And then as soon as they are no longer the alpha, they're usually, you know, sent off on their own to slowly, you know, die alone or 
you know, maybe if it's, you know, a, a nice herd, they may take care of their elders, but in the animal kingdom, that's really not a, a survival thing. I mean, that's more based in empathy, which a lot of animals, you know, most animals aren't afforded that quality um, because they have to be focused on survival. So you're right. I mean, it is, that is the, the natural path of, of the world. It is, you know, once you stop growing, you start dying. And, and to think about it that way really was powerful for me in, in my shift through that period of my life. And, and I think that, as you said, you know, it's, it's obviously something that resonates with a lot of people. Absolutely. It's super powerful. I want to ask you, I'm going to jump around. Do you recall when your passion for, you know, optimizing yourself, optimizing your life, life performance, like, do you remember when that was kind of born within you or when it just, maybe it's always been there, but it just got louder and louder? Yeah, do you remember? yeah, for sure. You know, like you said, you know, you, you grew up as an athlete. I, I was an athlete my entire life until I got to college. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to, to be able to attend Clemson University. Um, I was not a good enough athlete to play sports at that level. But my best friend from home was, and uh, he was on the, the track team there and ended up winning the ACC's uh, seven times as a high jumper. So I got to hang out with him and the track team. And some of the guys on the track team at that time were um, sprinters who ran for Team USA in the Olympics. Uh, a couple of the other ones were, uh, they were sprinters, but they also played football and they played football in the NFL as wide receivers and running backs. So, you know, at, at that point in my life, I was still incredibly competitive, um, but I didn't have that outlet like I did growing up. So I just, I threw myself into the weight room and I just started learning as much as I could from the coaching staff and, and the guys who were teaching sprint technique and um, performance-based training, um, you know, for, for these uh, elite athletes. And, you know, I'm looking at them and I'm like, I can do that. I can be that. Uh, I want to be that fast. I want to be that strong. I just refused to believe that I couldn't attain that level of physical performance. I ended up changing my major uh, in school, and, and I wanted to do exercise physiology, but Clemson didn't have it. So uh, closest thing I could get was food science and human nutrition. So that was sort of like the first phase of it, where it was really on the, the physical side with, with performance and, and uh, fitness and nutrition. But then, um, so that was like 2005, 2006, 2012 was the year I started my gym, and it was then said I had a, a business mentor tell me, you know, you need to stop reading sets and reps. You probably know 90% of everything you'll ever need to know for physical performance and, and being a strength coach or, or, you know, whatever you need to do there. And if there's something you don't know, you can lean on your network or outsource it or whatever. Um, but you need to start focusing on all the other things that go into now being a business owner. So that was sort of the, the next phase of this optimization or kind of obsession with growing beyond just health and fitness. You know, I learned or quickly realized how much I needed to learn in terms of, you know, managing people and all the other things that come with business, marketing and websites and psychology and sociology. And, you know, at that point for, you know, seven years or so, I'd already been helping people through kind of transformations on the physical side. So I knew all of the, the psychological and, you know, 
the support or therapy type stuff that goes into helping people through those transitions and those transformations. But, you know, then to be able to kind of move into business and, and to doing it at scale and understanding all of, of those components, that was kind of phase two. And, you know, for the last six years, it's been kind of a mix of, of doing those things and um, really just trying to take those skills that I've acquired and, and build different businesses that in some way help and, and reach as many people as possible. That's awesome. I mean, how long before you actually started writing your amazing book that you have the idea of it in your head <laughs> and then start pursuing yeah, it? Yeah. So this is funny because, um, I, I always laugh at that question because I did not <laughs> want to write a book. Um, and, uh, I, I, the day that this book launched, I made a post and I said, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And, and it truly is. I hated every single minute of sitting down and writing it, but it was just something that at that point I knew had to come out. And, and, you know, I got goosebumps earlier when you were talking about, you know, creating, you know, a, a valuable work and, and something that is you know very important because, uh, that means so much to me because that was the approach I took when I finally decided I was going to write a book. I really spent a lot of time thinking about how I could create something that was engaging and, you know, to kind of get into the, the marketing and, and business side of it that, mm-hmm. that was, um, that would increase reader retention, right? So, so how do you get somebody to go from the cover to the first page and then to keep turning the pages and ultimately finish the book, not one that, you know, they buy and then just sits on the shelf. But, but I also wanted something that would be timeless and something that could be used as a reference. When I think about my favorite books, I think about books that I pull off the shelf multiple times a year and, and either read a chapter or just look up a, a particular quote or, or something in that book that, that stuck with me. And, and I really wanted to create something of that nature. Um, I didn't want to just write a book because everybody's writing a book these days. And, you know, that's, that's kind of why I laugh, you know, I guess coming back to the beginning of when did I know I wanted to write a book? I had been, I had been told by several people um, for a few years that I needed to write a book, that that was the thing that was going to get me from, you know, where I was to where I wanted to be in terms of authority or, or whatever you want to call it. And I just, I didn't want to do that because a, I hate writing like I love writing little posts, like a blog post or what you might call a long Instagram caption. But, but to, for me, the way my brain works to string a whole bunch of those together into something that is cohesive, that's just agony for my brain. You know, I, I I was really, I was not digging that idea. And, And like I said, I didn't want to just write a book because you're supposed to write a book. So I had the opportunity to speak in Sweden at the uh, biohacker summit. This was 2000. It was the spring of 2016. No, 17. Okay. Yeah. 2017. Sorry. And I, they gave me 45 minutes and just said, you know, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. And this was the first time that I'd been on stage and didn't have like a directive. You know, it was kind of whatever you want to say. And Ultimately, what I spoke about was what became sort of the foundation of the book. Uh, you know, I remember 
that was where I first found the research that 95% of our decisions are made based on how we feel. I talked a lot about states versus traits, the climate versus weather analogy, some of the things that are sort of in the preface or the very beginning of the book that kind of lay that foundation. And I want to pick those apart with you okay. a little bit later. Just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'd be happy to. So, so it was funny because when I, when I gave that presentation, there was another keynote speaker there who I was really excited to see. He actually sat in and listened to my talk. And when at the end, you know, I said, you know, are there any questions? And somebody asked a question and then this guy raises his hand and I'm like, oh shit, is he going to like blast me or is he going to ask some question that I can't answer? It, it went well. He asked a, a question that I answered. And then afterwards he, he came up and, and found me as I was leaving the stage. And he was like, that was the best talk here. And so the next day, all the speakers and, and some of the other people get to hang out at this event. And we spent a lot of time together. And, uh, you know, he was the one that really told me, you know, look, there's a lot in there. You know, every slide had hope and, and help. And, you know, you need to, you know, turn this into something bigger. So he convinced me to write a book uh, or that it could be turned into a book. And um, so there was a long flight home from Sweden back to the U.S. And, and by the time the plane landed in the U.S., I had the outline for the book. Um, wow. Wow. So that was yeah, and that's that's the other thing about me is and, and you can probably tell once you've read the book that like once I have an idea for something or decide that something's going to be done, it gets done. And um that's so amazing. by the time we landed, I had the outline. That was spring of 17. By July 4th, I was back in New York with him to meet with a literary agent. So between the spring and the 4th of July, I had uh, I had done the book proposal, which was agony, but incredibly worthwhile because, you know, you have to basically create a business plan or a marketing plan for the book, uh, which, which mm -hmm. definitely paid off this year when the book came out. But then through the rest of the summer, uh, I just, I, I locked myself in a room and, and finished the book. And it was actually the month of August that was the worst because I said, this is going, the, the first draft is going to be finished by Labor Day. And I just remember every single day in August, it was, I didn't do anything else. I had all the podcasts were recorded up to a certain point where I didn't have to record any shows. Everything else was just kind of like, you know, do the minimum to get by. And I would get up at like six or seven in the morning take a cold shower. I'd be in front of the computer within 30 minutes. And then I would do Pomodoros and write until three or so in the mm. afternoon. And my brain would just be mush. And, uh, and that was it. I got it done. Thank you again, because this book is truly a service. I, I it, it's like how I kind of frame it is that it's a manual that helps uh, the reader align with you know, our highest performing self and then to operate and create life from that state of being. And, so there's a few things I'm going to kind of just throw out there. Well, one is I, you know, it's almost like just to go back to when that, that man told you, you know, I think you should write a book. It's funny. And then you write the, the outline on the plane. I kind of received that as if the book was already within you, you know, you just needed that, like that man or whatever, that, that, that whatever could have been that man, it could have been something you read it, but he was the person that just tapped into that part of you. And then the book was just like, I don't know, that's how I receive it anyways, which is, I don't know if that's how, if that resonates, but that's how yeah, I receive it, which I, is rad. I think, I think you're, you're, you're not wrong on that. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, we all have the, the people that we interact with in our lives, they get sort of snapshots of, of us, right? But but for us, yeah. we live in our own minds all the time. 
So, you know, these other people, like I said, had, that had been telling me I need to write a book, you know, they had their snapshots of me and they see these certain things that are like, you know, if he could just put these together, um, you know, and, and I'm trying to kind of phrase this in a way that, that listeners can apply this to, to their own pursuits or, or what they're trying to, to accomplish in their life. But, you know, he was just maybe somebody that me hearing it from him, I, I believed it or, or I, I don't want to say I bought into it, but you know, a lot of times those other people were my friends, whereas now it was coming from somebody that I'd never met and I had a tremendous amount of respect for. And I was like, well, if he would say that, then maybe everybody else is right. And they weren't just trying to make me feel good because they're my friends. So let's see what happens with this. And, and I'll just also just say his name, this, the, this man who is responsible for this coming into the world is Chris Dancy. And he has a book coming out later this year. It's called Don't Unplug. And I promise you it's going to be a bestseller when it comes out in September. He's already, Amazing. He's already booked y'all. on Oprah and Ellen. So, Oh, wow. Okay. No big, no big deal. deal. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. That's amazing. Yeah. I think the other thing that I want to point to before I go into some other directions is that I think one of the most powerful things you said about that moment too, is that you decided, you know, and I really do believe that that's, you know, there's power and decision, right? right? And then that it creates the momentum. So, okay. How, when you said that, um, I forgot the doctor's name or neuroscientist, yes. is that? that Antonio Damasio, okay. neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. So I have to tell you that I don't know how long ago, this is before I, I, I dove deep into biology and I'm a total geek and I know, I know some <laughs> shit, you know, in that realm. I love Neutrogena. Like, I feel like Don, Dr. Rhonda Patrick is my biology <laughs> teacher. If that gives you any reference to like some of the info I might know. But before I knew anything about this stuff, I like my logical thought process was this, what, you know, our decisions are they they're generated from our emotional state. I just I, that it felt so logical to me. Like, yeah, of course, this is going to affect that. So then, what affects our emotions? Well, it's got to be. I mean, a multitude of things, but especially your diet, right? Like what you're putting in and what you're or what you're not putting in. And then, of course, there's like movement and you know mindset. Also, is like you know what you're consuming or not consuming. So when I read that part of the book. Damn. And when, I mean, it was so impactful to me. It was so affirming. It's like, this is what I've been saying the whole time. (laughs) It was so cool and so powerful, I think, for people to read that and really understand. Because here's my, here's like the deeper thought behind it is that I think a lot of times people kind of, you know, think about their emotions as this kind of like mind and body being separate. When we are a system of systems, everything is connected to everything. And I think that one of my favorite parts about your book is that you connect all of the dots. And that's why, to me, it is so, it's one of the most powerful books that I've read because, I don't know, I feel like I've read a lot of powerful books that, you know, are based around mindset or maybe, you know, then biology and body and but I don't, I can't honestly recall a book that has combined both and the way that your book has. And, you know, again, it's like a manual because it's not, it's not one thing. It's like your microbiome is affecting 
you know, your brain, your, your emotional well-being, And it's, you know, I mean, there's so many things that we can pick apart of the book. And again, I'm not going to, I'm going to let the reader go into it, but there are a few things that, you know, I do want to talk about climate versus weather and, you know, states versus traits. But yeah, again, I guess that was, you know, one part commending you again. And then, you know, two parts just being like, I just feel like you're so on it with that. And I feel like there is so much impact that the readers will gain that's valuable and applicable. That's what I love about it too. You know, it's not, oh, this cool idea, but it's like, no, this is real shit and you can apply it to your life if you choose to. And it will make a difference. Yeah, it it means a lot to hear you say that. And, And I think that was my intention again was, you know, when I look at a lot of the other maybe books that are out there, but also brands or products, or I just feel like a lot of times, look, we live in a, we live in a world where there's so much information out there and, and we can literally access all of it. And there's, there's nothing that we can't figure out, but I just feel like, like you said, everything that had previously been presented, not necessarily was presented with a bias but was presented in maybe a myopic view where let's say you read a book that's about, you know, how to eat for optimal brain health. Okay. Well, there's more to brain health than just how we eat or there's more to, or or there's other books about like mindset or meditation for, you know, brain health. Well, there's, there's more to brain health than, you know, that, you know, that, that particular view didn't take into account the nutrition side of things. And, and, you know, to kind of zoom out a little bit more, like you were saying, uh, you know, our feelings are dictated by our physiology. So anything that impacts our physiology impacts our emotional state and our feelings. So, you know, that could be our posture in any given moment, right? So in the book, there's, there's posture checks. So what does your skeleton look like right now as you listen to this? You know, can you depress your scapula and get your shoulders further away from your ears? And the further you can take your shoulders from your ears right now, the more hunched over you were when you first started hearing this. So posture in the moment. And then there's, you know, things like movement, movement in an acute setting, movement in a chronic setting. Uh, Like you said, microbiome. So it's food. Food's not the only thing that affects our microbiome. You know, I didn't even talk about uh, in the book things like, I mean, there are studies that show a single bout of antibiotics can wipe out our, our microbiome. You know, I just I felt like that was beyond the scope of the book. But since we're kind of diving into it here, I mean, th- there are so many things that impact our physiology. And, and that was, I'm glad you kind of picked up on that because that was really what I wanted the readers to come away with and say that, you know, again, like, I don't want to call anybody out or it's not about saying anybody is wrong, but it, it's just, it's sort of the, the world we live in where the only way to kind of sell your product is to make your product like it's the end all be all. Right. And, and I don't think anybody is trying to intentionally be malicious with that, but we wind up with these dogmatic beliefs that, you know, you have to swing a kettlebell or you have to do body weight or you have to do CrossFit or you have to do Olympic lifting or, and that's just in the fitness realm. Right. But it's, you you have to eat keto, you have to eat paleo. Well, there's just, you know, you, you can't tell me that the people who are succeeding with one and the people who are succeeding with the other, they both work. And let's figure out why. And, and that's a lot of 
you know, kind of what I did with the book was let's take all these things that are working, let's overlay them, let's figure out what's going on. And, and that's sort of the, the quote that's in the book is, you know, success leaves footprints. So, you know, why are these things working? What's really going on here? And, and you know, how can the reader, like you said, kind of use this as a manual to, you know, chart their own course for you know, how they want to live the version of their life that they want to live? Absolutely. And I think another thing that you say, and I I put it out there all the time, I've been saying it for as long as, you know, when I put something out there, whether it's a mindset or if it's anything related to diet, I always reference it as a tool in my kick-ass arsenal. And I love that you you frame, you know, these are tools in your toolbox. And I love, I love that you frame it that way because, I don't know, I think that there's, it makes it so that you can actually, I've never, I've never said this thought out loud, so I have to think about it, but it just... It's there for you if you want to utilize it. You know, it's right there. You just have to, you know, you got to do some work and, but it's there for you. And I, and I do love that, you know, planting that seed in, in people's minds and you do it so greatly in this book. Well, I, I have to say that the original intent with phrasing as tools way back in the early part of my career, when I was reading you know, in the fitness side a lot, you know, that's, that's where I first heard that was, you know, looking at exercises or, or training implements as tools in your toolbox. And, and so that's where that had always kind of been in the back of my mind. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is when I wrote the book, I had spent the previous few years in the biohacking world. And, and I really wanted to avoid using that term. I didn't want my brand or my book or anything I was talking about to be kind of associated with biohacks. So I was trying to think, you know, what is a more appropriate word? And, you know, that's where the, the tools in the toolbox thing came from. And, you know, the fact that it can be explained so eloquently as you just did as, as to say, and I think Kate Fletcher or somebody else who, who said it very similarly when he was talking to me about it after reading the book was, you know, that, that these are tools that are accessible to you. You don't have to use all of them all the time. Uh, you don't have to use. And, and again, like that's kind of what I was saying in my previous answer is, you know, if you listen to let's, let's say a biohacker, you know, they think they have to do everything every day. You know, and, and if you, if you just reframe these things as tools in the toolbox, you know, the master carpenter doesn't use every tool just because it's there. He uses the right tool for the job at the, at that time to build the house or to build the thing he's building to the best that it can be done. If he doesn't have the tools in the toolbox, he can't produce the best work or she. And, and that's sort of my intention here is understanding, you know, is trying to help people understand what all the tools are and, you know, how can we equip ourselves to be prepared to be of value to ourselves and to others in the widest array of, scenarios. That's badass. And I, I totally back that up. I want to ask you, I kind of want to jump around. It's kind of connected okay. though. Um, do you have a morning routine? <laughs> <laughs> My morning routine. And, and I think, I think I talked about this in the book. I, I have a, I have a thing with morning routines. I, I hate when people feel like they have to have a routine because it gives <laughs> to me, it gives the power to the routine. Like I said, when I wrote the book, like that month of August, it was wake up, cold shower, get in front of the computer. Because I knew that I could easily spend two hours doing a morning routine to get optimized. And really, all I was doing was wasting time and procrastinating, where all I needed to do was just wake up, get that first victory, which was the cold shower that builds momentum, and then I sit down. And when I sit down in front of the computer, it was 
you know what? I've already done something more uncomfortable than writing. And that was the cold shower. So the way I look at a morning routine is what is the desired outcome? And Mm -hmm. if, if the, I I feel like whatever the routine is, whatever the, the process is, should be the fewest possible steps to deliver you to the desired outcome. And, and I call that either you could say it's, it's friction free or whatever, whatever thought process kind of helps people get beyond. Uh, and again, it's like the tools in the toolbox, you know, some days I'm going to need more of my tools. Uh, other days I'm going to need fewer. I never want to feel like I have to get up and go through this checklist of things before I can just be me and start my day. Yeah, man, you just said it so perfectly because I was thinking about this before our podcast because I certainly have, it's almost like the word routine sucks, but I have a ritual. Maybe that's a better word. I don't know, but I have a process in the morning. We'll say that, that I've had for, for so long now. And it's, it's pretty much two things. Um, It's writing. I've been writing my whole life and it's, it's in that, in my writing, it's connection to self. And I, I value that immensely. It's, it's like, it's like dessert to me, you know? So let me just jump in and say that, that you have a, you have a purpose for it that serves a greater, uh, I don't want to say greater good or or maybe greater purpose, Mm but it is, it is connection to self. Yeah. Right. So you're not writing because somebody said, Hey, journaling in the morning is the right thing to do. Oh my God. Yes. Or, or you're not, you're not, you're not doing it. You you know, that's, that's your version of grounding. Like you don't have to go barefoot in the grass and stare at the sun to ground. Grounding can be any number of things, right? One of them is more literal than the other. I get it. But but you're getting to a place where, you know, in the back of the book, I, I talk about center, expand and flow. And so grounding is a version of centering. You're, you're doing the writing to center so that you can be you and, and then go from there. And be present throughout the minutes yeah. of my day, which is the only right. way that I want to be operating my life from. It's, it's part of my interpretation of what real success is, but we'll go there later. But yes, thank you for expanding that because it's, it's, it's truly how I prime myself and it's a joy for me. Roxanne, having a beautiful observation, non-judgmental conversation with the highest version of Roxanne. And then I go on from there and then it's meditation and then, okay, world, now you can have me, you know? Oh, but here, and here's the other part that I was thinking about earlier. I was like, yeah, but sometimes, you know, I might skip the meditation. Rarely do I skip the writing, but maybe I got the meditation from the writing. And I think the point that, you know, is, is that I want to make that's in alignment also to what you were saying is that I don't, there's no rigidness, you know, it's not, Oh, got to do this, got to do that. Or else it's like a fail. No, I'm going to flow with what I'm feeling. And I think that that also, that's what allows us to stay in alignment. And it's not rather than feeling like it's, you know, checking something off the checklist. I think that's so important because I think that oftentimes, and I love that you, you're an advocate of, of this as well. And you put it out there through, you know, your voice through your writing. And I think it's just important because I, I think that what it ultimately does is, you know, it puts power within people, right? Well, and that's, I mean, that's the very first thing I said about why I don't like routines is that, you know, if we feel like we have to do 
these five steps every single day that, that now that thing is what is powerful, right? So if I have to do these five things to be optimized and then I'm ready for the day and then let's say the next day I don't get to do those things, already in my head I'm saying I can't be the best version of me. And, and to me, that's where the real danger exactly. is. And, and like you said earlier, too, the other side of this is, is the word routine. I mean, at some point, no matter how jazzed up about this routine you are when you start it, at some point, it's going to become a monotonous routine that you sleepwalk through. And it probably will not elicit the same effect that it did on the first day. So, yeah, I just I kind of cringe when I hear or see people clinging to some arbitrary routine. Totally. I, yeah, clinging is a great word. <laughs> it's like I'm wearing my Bruce Lee tank top right now. It's like, do not <laughs> cling. When you cling, you cannot be in surrendered and f- state and flow. And that's, you know, that's where we, we, uh, that's why I love too, at the end of the book, how you said center, expand and flow, man. I mean, I can't high five you enough because I just, you know, it, it's very powerful. And I, it, you know, it's, it's, I can say it's, it's so true, but this is all, this is my perspective, but I can, I think the better way to frame it is there's a lot of value in that. And, you know, and if people, you know, choose to, if they're awake enough to really kind of take it in, I, I feel like, you know, they would agree right now. Sure. All your readers yeah. do. Okay. To move around. Cause I'm being conscious of your time. Uh, <laughs> Journaling. So is journaling something that you do actually? You know, my version of journaling is if you looked at my phone, I use Evernote and I use the notes app. And, and I think both of them have somewhere between like 500 and 600 entries. And some of them are notes from calls. Some of them are to-do lists, but I I would say a a good 20 to 30% of those notes are things that could potentially be turned into blog posts or emails or versions of things that go into books. I don't have a structured practice of sitting down at a particular time and putting thoughts down. My brain is one that just randomly something will come into my head and it just I've just gotten into the habit of I'll usually open my phone and just voice dictate whatever that stream of consciousness is. And then hopefully go back by the end of the day and at least type that out because there's a lot of notes where I'll go back and it's just this voice dictation and it never gets it right. So I have no idea what I was thinking or saying (laughs) and whatever it is, is just lost to the universe. (laughs) Um, But, um, but that's, that's sort of my, uh, it's just, you know, I've, I've been, like I said earlier, we all live in our own heads and I've had to deal with what's between my ears for 30 something years. And I've started to try (laughs) to figure out, you know, how it works. So yeah, I I don't have a a structured practice, but I do. And, and, you know, like you were saying earlier with your writing daily, I have found that over the last few weeks, you know, once the book was out, I, I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm done writing for a while. But over the last few weeks, I have kind of gotten back into, you know, writing posts or, you know, reading some of my old writing and, and kind of elaborating on some of those thoughts. And, and there is something very meditative and, and very centering about that practice. 
Absolutely. And you're such a great writer. I mean, I don't know if it's something you've done your whole life, but you know, your voice, it, it certainly resonates with me and I'm, and that's really important. There's kind of, there's a difference between, you know, like your speaking right. voice and your writing voice. Right. And I can pick up on what I like and maybe I'm, I'm not so drawn to on in both, you know, with people and your book, you know, the writing in your book is very reverent. It's very strong and it's very, it's powerful. And I really appreciated that, but your posts as well on Instagram, like that's why we had to start the podcast with one because it's, you know, the words are, you know, they're just, so, it, it's an art form. It really is. To be able to write, you know, it, it, it's form. funny you, you mentioned like writing and, and art and, you know, I'm a person who my entire life, I excelled in math and science. And, you know, I went to a special high school for math and science. I majored in two different sciences so that I wouldn't have to write. And of course that backfired on me because not only do you have to attend labs, but you have to write lab reports. So if I could do college again, I would not major in the science, but, um, it's funny that, you know, I had this whole plan of, of what I was going to do for my life. And then it ended up, you know, going the route that it did. And, you know, even, even, you know, majoring in, in a, you know, basically a dietetics program and, and essentially I'm, I would be an RD, you know, then, you know, working in a gym and, and being a personal trainer, a strength coach, owning a gym. But, but what I found out was if I can't communicate this information, I can't help people. So, you know, I learned that I had to be able to communicate it first one-on-one -on -one in personal training sessions. Mm -hmm. And then it became, you know, how do I communicate it to groups in class settings? And then it was, oh, now I'm, I'm writing for, for uh, magazines or websites, you know, so you have to learn to write and to communicate that way. And then, then it was, you know, writing through ads or, or different things to, to, promote the gym and to get people into the gym. And it, it has definitely been something that has evolved over 15 or 20 years. And I never would have considered myself an artist or a creator, but, but over the last few years, I've really embraced that. And, and that is probably how I would define myself now. And, and I love the creative process and thinking of things as, as art. Yeah. I, I really, to me, it very much is that bridges me, actually. I have a question. What would be, this is, it's kind of random, but not really. Three of your, the most impactful books, just off the top of your head, that you've read, that have expanded your mind in your life? Oh, wow. So I could go so many ways with this question. I'm sure. So I, I actually, I did a, an Instagram story thing about this the other day, but um, I, I love autobiographies and, and specifically, or, or they don't even have to be auto, but some of them are biographies, but, you know, about people who have excelled throughout their entire life. And, and two that really stood out to me, one of them was called, uh, you'll know I'm dead when I stop talking, or maybe if I stop talking, you'll know I'm dead. Uh, but it's about Jerry Weintraub. That's his autobiography. All he did was manage Elvis and Frank Sinatra and Led Zeppelin. Yeah, he made all, made all the Oceans movies. Um, but so I was just telling somebody about this earlier today. So everybody knows, it, most people who are familiar with Elvis know his manager was a guy named Colonel Tom Parker. Well, this guy, Jerry Weintraub, wanted in on, you know, helping Elvis. And whenever he decided he was going to, you know, help him or, or become part of the team. He called Colonel Tom Parker every single day for one year 
before he finally got a yes. And that's just like, so, so when I read these autobiographies, I'm like, how did these guys build such incredible you know, lives and do these amazing things? And it's like, they did the shit that most people wouldn't do. You know, how many of us would call somebody that powerful and, and that intimidating every single day for a year straight getting a no and probably fuck no's and stop calling me and, and hanging up. I mean, let's be honest. Like the dude probably got tired of it. It probably got worse before it got better, but he, he still kept calling. So that's one. Another one that I recently read along those lines was about a guy named Kirk Kirkorian. And so all he did was own the land in Las Vegas that Caesar's palace was built on. He built the international hotel. He bought MGM, the movie studio, and then built the MGM grand hotel and a whole bunch of other stuff. So those are two that I just love people that, you know, build these amazing life lives and, and impact so many others. You know, we talk about people who have impact in, in other people's lives. And these are people who those two guys impacted almost everybody listening. And we don't even know it. Most people don't know them by name. So, and I had a mentor ask me and, and a bunch of other people a few years ago, you know, do you want to be famous or do you want to be rich? And I think that's an important question for a lot of people to answer. And that's just one of the things I like about the, the two guys in this story. Now, yeah, they're very well known and, and a lot of people do know them and I'm sure that you could call them famous, but they weren't chasing fame, which is something that I think a lot of people are kind of caught up in, in our social media world. Right. Absolutely. Um, so that's two. I'll give you one more. I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm a huge fan of Stephen Pressfield. Um, I'm rereading turning pro right now. So that comes to mind. But as soon as I say that, I'm, I'm mad at myself for not saying another one. The, the, the single book that I've read the most uh, is Dao De Jing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Okay. And specifically the Stephen Mitchell translation. Damn. Okay. It's hard. I feel like an asshole for asking that <laughs> oh, question. I know. That's a great question. <laughs> if that question came to me, it's like, <laughs> it is. Well, it's an important because, you know, I mean, we're highlighting your mental framework along with, you know, your accomplishments and things you're passionate about. But the mental framework, and, and you know, we, I think there's a lot of, we're born with our, you know, innate talents, but we do, you know, in ideas and, and ways. Someone like Bruce Lee, this is the best way for me to frame it. He's not my teacher, but he has been able, he came before me, but he, and he's been able to express something, things, powerful things that are so, they, they come, they're innate within me. And when I read you know, his philosophies and his ways, I'm just like, it expands what's natural within me, or maybe it gave me something new. I mean, that it, you know, and I feel like, you know, so g getting into your mindset and asking you, you know, what are these books? It's for that reason, because, you know, I want to know, and I want, you know, our audience to know what has impacted your already amazing mindset and mental framework to expand further. In life. I mean, I, I think it's a great question. And, and I mean, as soon as you put that framework on it, I, and I look like I couldn't have picked four better books. I mean, to me, it's, you know, with Tao Te Ching, it's, you know, learning about the way of the universe, how to be in harmony with things, finding balance, finding flow, you know, turning pro is, you know, stop living this shadow life, do, do the thing that you were put here to do. And then these other two are, you know, kind of how my brain works. I, I look for what has been successful, who has been successful, what, what are kind of the, the footprints or, or the kind of Easter eggs that we can pick up and, and implement on our own journey. Um, so that's, 
you know, deconstructing greatness, if you will, or, or success and then reverse engineering it. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how my mind works. So yeah, I, I think that's a great question to get to those things. Thank you. I love that. I want to ask you what your idea of success is. Oh man. <laughs> I know I'm a bigger <laughs> asshole now. <laughs> I think my definition of success is, this is going to be really morbid, but it is being in a position where when my time on earth is winding down, that I am in a place where I can accept that and feel like I have earned the life that I was blessed with. That's awesome. So yeah. I think I, mean, I, I just, I, I don't, yeah, I, I think a that. lot of people want to put some, some number on it or, or some material thing. And, and I think, I think this is in the book. I, I can't remember what got cut and what stayed in the book, but I think, you know, when, when we define success by somebody else's validation, we hand over, we cede that power to other people to define us as successful or not successful. And ultimately it, it has to be the opposite. It has to be intrinsic, whatever our individual definition of success is, has to be something that we control, not, not other people. Uh, we have to live to, to make ourselves proud. Um, and at least that's the way I think. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I'm, I am so in line with that. I, and I feel like the word that is just screaming in my mind right now is authenticity. So I'll just share with you that my idea of success at this point in my life, and I'm sure, you know, I might add to it later, but we talked about it earlier a little bit is just, you know, how many it's, it's spending as many minutes of my life as present as I possibly can. And then to go throughout my life and achieve, and this is so related to something that you put out actually today on the post, to go throughout my life and achieve all the the great big things that I envision achieving and not ever stepping away from my authentic self to do so. And where I feel that's in alignment with, um, you know, what you posted today, it was like, oh, delayed gratification. So some people, I think a lot of people these days, and we, we can even use social media as an example, will step away from their authentic self if they even have a connection to authentic self. And that's a whole nother subject. But if they do and they step away from it because maybe they can, you know, obtain more quicker or more just in general or, and I, you know, I refuse. I mean, I don't even know how to not be my most authentic self. And so even if there was something to come my way that could advance me or my businesses, but it wasn't in alignment with my truth, I'm, I'm not taking that route. I'd rather take the long, hard road, hard, I'm not scared of hard at all, you know? And so- I love it. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, I want to throw a few words at you really quickly. So discipline, just freestyle. When you hear discipline, what does that mean? How does it resonate with you? Yeah. So one of the books that easily could have made that list that, uh, that we just went through is Extreme Ownership from Jocko Willink. And anybody who's heard him has definitely heard his quote, discipline equals freedom. And uh, I am an extremely disciplined person, according to people who know me. Uh, I, I don't want to call myself that, but um I have just found, and that's why I resonate with his quote, that discipline is freedom, that, you know, staying within, I call it a framework or a template, um, you know, doing the right things at the right time. 
actually give me more free time and more freedom to do more of the things that I want to do. So um, I think discipline is something that, that I crave and something that I think leads ultimately to more of what we all want out of life. Totally agree with that. And I swear all my best friends who are listening to this, when they listen, are going to be like, holy shit, these two. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing. And even when you said, I don't call myself disciplined, because I always say that. People say with my diet, my way, you're so disciplined. I'm like, really? Is it disciplined? It's just kind of my way. But, you know, it's like even if we were to use diet as an example, you know, my diet is not seasonal. It's 365 days a week. I don't care if it's Christmas. I don't care. But it's not a thought. Like, I don't think about it. You know, I'm not like, oh, I want that cake, but uh, I'm not going to have it. Right. Because right. I've already transcended that, that, you know, feeling, those emotions, that temptation a long time ago. And so, yes, some might view it as, you know, discipline. But for me, I'm like, gosh, I'm so liberated because I don't have to use my mental capacity, like, to even to negotiate. Yep. Yep. That's you know? such a great point. So well said. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Jocko's a man. Okay. So <laughs> gratitude. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think somebody that I know and, and like as a friend and respect as a human one time said to me and, and to others that, that gratitude didn't work for them. And I just remember thinking like, dude, you're doing it wrong. And it goes back to what we were talking about with, with routines where, you know, he was clearly doing it because he was, he had heard from somebody else that, you know, this is a thing you should do. And, and obviously if it's not working, it's coming from, you know, back to what you were saying a minute ago, it's coming from a, an in, inauthentic place or, or way. And, and I just think that, I think we all have so much to be grateful for. Um, this, this, I don't necessarily have a morning routine, but one of the things that I do every morning is take a few minutes to go sit outside and enjoy the sunrise. And I think about three to five things every single day that I am grateful for. And I never have a problem coming up with <laughs> things I'm grateful for. I mean, there's so many things that we take for granted. I mean, you know, we have our, our hearing. If you're listening to this, you, you could be grateful for your hearing. If you looked on your phone to find this podcast, you have your vision, you have your hands, your fingers, you have your arms, your feet. There's so many little things that we could be grateful for. So um, I, I think it's it's been an, a very powerful practice for me over the last few years. And, and it's something that I don't think we can do enough. I agree. I think it, it definitely fertilizes the path you know, or how do I frame it? I, I know I've said it in my writing, but I do feel like appreciation, gratitude, it allows us to keep moving in a desired direction. You know, it's like, it's, I have this, this came to me, how funny, however funny this might sound, but came to me in meditation one day, um, wherever we're looking is where we're going, you know? And I, I, I do believe that when we look to the things that, you know, we're grateful for, I mean, there's no failing in that, you know, you can't lose there. So just, you know, it's, it's like, it's a really, it's a great feeling momentum. Cool. So the next word is challenge. <laughs> Seek them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh I mean, man. This, somebody said this and, and, and I don't, I'm sure many have said it, but I mean, I think 
like what we were saying earlier about, you know, when you, when you stop growing, you, you start dying and, and, you know, the, the brain, the body, uh, humans need challenges to continue to grow and evolve. And that's, you know, that's where all the magic is. Yes, I agree. And you express that a lot in the book. I, I think that's really important because a lot of times people do shy away from challenge when it's like, oh man, that's where, you know, the best of you is going to come from, right? Mm-hmm my last word is balance. That's a good one. I think it's something that is misunderstood. And I think in a lot of what I see being talked about, it's talked about almost as if it was a binary thing and and either you have it or you don't. And um, I I don't necessarily think that that's how it is. I, I think it's a spectrum. And I think what's interesting is, you know, we mentioned Tao Te Ching earlier, and I think that is, uh, you know, if you look at like the symbol of a yin and yang, like there's a reason that they didn't just draw a line straight down the middle of a circle and say, here's one half and here's the other half, you know, and then it's funny. I think one of the, the more popular books in the last year or so has been Jordan Peterson's 12 rules or whatever it's called. I haven't gotten past the, the preface, but I know in the preface, he talks about the Christian cross and in the middle of it, he talks about balance and, I think in a lot of different writings and a lot of different lessons on life, I think eventually we all kind of have to figure out what balance means to us and realize that it can be a very individual thing. I think we all need it. We all need to seek it and find it. But what it is, what it means is a very individual thing. And I think it's something that we all need to to kind of be comfortable allowing ourselves to find it for ourselves, and, and also kind of understand that for others as well and, you know, kind of live and let live. Yeah, totally. I love that. That's true. And and it's, to me, it's one of those things that like, it's constantly going to be evolving, right? Because we are hopefully in life, right? So it's, it's not static. And, and I think that draws to the point of the yin and the yang, like it's not a straight line. It's going to look different perhaps in, in some, you know, in all the different chapters of our life, right? Yeah. That's rad. Okay. Wait, side note, do you train jujitsu? I don't. All my friends do. And uh, Really? I do. I, so I was curious because you referenced it in the book. I was like, oh, does he train jujitsu? Yeah, it's, it's because so many of my friends do. And I've, I've always, I, I have a lot of respect for it. And uh, one day uh, I, I will get in there. But, uh, but for now, I'm just going to make jokes that my friends wrestle with guys in their pajamas. <laughs> I feel like it will be your thing because I've been training for over nine years and I, and I love it. And I don't get to train, you know, every single week just because of lifestyle and things, you know, I'm an athlete with a lot of different modalities of movement and business and all that, but it's forever part of my life, like surfing. It's, and I'm, I am constantly and consistently engaged. Um, I so need it. to, because everything oh, I do yeah. is so linear and, uh, from a movement standpoint alone, I, I need you know, something that's not linear. And, um, but it's like, when I say all my friends do, I mean, seriously, probably seven of the 10 people that I respect and and look up to kind of on the male side as like my closest friends are all big time jujitsu people. So that's rad. Yeah. Well, have you ever gone, do you surf or have you ever surfed? I do surf. Yes. Not very well, but, but I do surf. Well, you, I feel like, and a lot of people who do both, I've been surfing since I was a teenager too. There's such a, a, a parallel. There's such an alignment with jujitsu and surfing. And because you've surfed, I'll just drop this at, 
you know, I feel like, you know, in jujitsu, you have to be so present in that moment. And if you're not, you, the results could be an injury to yourself or an injury in the person that you're sparring with. Right. And in surfing, if you're not present in the moment, it's the same thing. You can injure yourself or you can injure somebody else in the process. And, you know, when the mind and the body, again, one thing, but like just to separate for the point, when when those two things really have to kind of come together and be in full alignment and be present, it's this whole other, I don't know, energy that you're living, right? And then when you're done with it, like I'm sure you feel like when you get out of the water, everything's better. Jiu-jitsu same thing. It's like, you're like, Oh man. And that's aside from just the learning and the utilizing of your brain. And, you know, I know that you reference, like I said, in the book, you reference it a lot. And I loved reading that neuroplasticity, you know, it supports that, but yeah, Ryan, you got to train jujitsu. Right. I guess it's going to happen soon. <laughs> totally. Okay. I need to let you go, but I just want to ask you, do you have an audiobook plan for fuck your feelings? You know what? I have recorded it. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm staring at three, but I got a lot of Leos in my life. It's, it's, you know, birthday season right now. And I literally have three of your books that are gifts going out to people, but I know that some people don't have time to read, you know? So, um, I want to be able to, to give them the audio book too. So I'm glad that you said yeah, that. Yeah. So it has been recorded and next to writing the book, this was the second hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> So, oh, man. like, I mean, it's, I can't tell you how many sentences I had to re-record because I'm, I cracked my knuckle while I was saying it. And, and that comes through. And I mean, it's just, it was awful. So anyway, it will be available very soon. I also consume books better on audio. So for all of the uh, audio files out there, I apologize for not getting this out sooner, but it's coming. <laughs> okay, cool. I will be, you know, spreading the word as soon as you have it out. I can't wait. Can you tell our listeners, you have a podcast, The Better Human Project, Correct. Right? That is correct. Awesome. And is in the show notes. Can you can you let them know how to stay up to date with you and follow you on Instagram or anywhere else that you are out there? Yeah. So I'm not the biggest user of social media and my platform of choice is Instagram. I do actually enjoy Instagram. So it is at Ryan Muncie underscore and website is ryanmuncie.com. And as you just said, the podcast is Better Human Project. Yeah, I think that's that's enough. If you go to those places, you'll be able to stay up to date on what's going on. Amazing. Okay, cool. All of that will be in the show notes as well. And Ryan, I feel like I didn't even scratch the surface. Honestly, weather versus climate, HRV. There were so <laughs> many things with you. This I have to say, and I don't like. I have no sh- like. I I was so excited, and I just I want it th- because there's so many layers to you. You know, on the one hand, we have your book. Then there's you and your process, and your and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I want to talk about, and you know, and really just and create an episode that is so gives you the respect that you deserve that I feel, you know, and so thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. And I'm so looking forward and love to do it again with you because like I said, I don't even feel like we scratched the surface, but um, it was a good scratch though, for sure. (laughs) It was, it was. And I will say thank you for, I know what it's like to be the interviewer. So I can tell (laughs) you that you put some thought into you know, how do you get this thing to go where you wanted it to go? So, so thank you for that. And, and thanks for having me on the show. And yes, we will definitely uh, 
hook up next time, maybe in person and, and we'll record some shows. We'll get you on our show and we'll talk about how you think we can be better humans. I would love that. Okay. Awesome. You guys do yourself a favor right now. I'm not kidding. Amazon, that book, fuck your feelings. It will add so much value to your life. Follow Ryan and everything that he's up to. And thank you for spending your time here with us. Bye. Told you guys, wasn't that epic? Man, I loved that conversation with him. I was so excited. I felt like a little girl the whole time. It was really funny. I'm really looking forward to having another conversation with him next time in person because those are always just so much more amazing. You just, I don't know, it's a different energy. But that being said, I am so happy that I had this conversation with him and was able to share him and his mental framework and story and process with you guys. Like I said in the intro, he is a high performance tool in of himself. So staying connected to him, following him where, you know, you can, all the ways to do that are in the show notes, I think is a very, very smart and supportive tool that you can, you know, apply to your own pursuit of, you know, turning your best into better. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.